Rolando and Amanda were refugees from Cuba. And I'm not entirely sure how they ended up at the small Presbyterian congregation where I was an intern. They spoke broken English at best. At least Rolando did. I'm pretty sure Amanda didn't really even speak any English. And I'm not sure they understood much of the service. They didn't have a car. Um, Amanda, to get to her job as a seamstress, had to take two buses. Yet, even with all of those differences from those who were there, they were made welcome and more in that congregation. They truly became a part of the congregation. And I will never forget the day they joined the church. And those of you who've joined the church um, know that the members get up and they declare faith in Jesus Christ and they agree to be faithful members of the church. And then the congregation was asked to support them, if they would support them as members of the church. And the words in the bulletin to prompt the response were, we will. Well, the congregation spontaneously answered that question about supporting Rolando and Amanda as new members in Spanish with a loud C. James guides us to put our faith into action by affirming our relationship with one another that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Look at the second word there, brothers. And we would say brothers and sisters. We have a new relationship with one another. That relationship's more than just being fellow church members. We are brothers and sisters. And as brothers and sisters united in Jesus Christ, we're not to show partiality. And another way to say this is we're not to show favoritism. Favoritism or partiality, it comes from making judgments based on outward things, like skin color or accent or the clothing someone's wearing or their general appearance or even their apparent social status. Favoritism happens when we make distinctions between one another, not considering our relationship as brothers and sisters that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Even in the church, we tend to align ourselves with other people based on outward things. How can we act this way when we hold on to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, usually some of the distinctions that we make that guide our interacting with others have nothing to do with faith. So just think for yourself, how do you categorize others as you look around this morning? I'd venture that we make distinctions about gender, about someone's body shape, how old they are, how long that we've known someone, what their cultural background might be, and though these distinctions have nothing to do with faith, if we're honest, these are the things that we give power as we relate to one another. 
as we relate to those who are different than us. Giving these distinctions power, it usually means not interacting as much with those who are different. Giving these distinctions power means us, it keeps us from sharing faith with those who are different. Giving these distinctions power keeps us from teaching others. Giving these distinctions power keeps us from receiving or giving encouragement to one another. Giving these distinctions power keeps us from learning from each other. Giving these distinctions that are not based on faith power keeps us from truly being brothers and sisters. Well, these distinctions that we make that are outward, they're not inaccurate. It's when we use them to define our relationship with one another that we become judges with evil thoughts, as it says in James 2. This is partiality, using anything besides faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and our connection in Him to judge the value of someone. Faith and partiality are contradictory. And God doesn't judge this way. He looks at the heart. We see that again and again in the Bible. In the Old Testament, King David wasn't chosen because he was the tallest, as kings often were then. He was lauded for being a man after God's own heart. If you want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, there's an honor roll of all of those who acted out of faith. They were honored for faith, not for their mistakes, not for who they were. Jesus, he came to break down distinctions. He called uneducated to be his disciples. He turned down the company of the religious for the company of sinners. He pointed out the faith of those who were normally ignored or pushed aside. When the children came to him and they were shunted aside, he said, let the little children come to me. When there was a sick woman who was bleeding, who blended in the crowd and touched his robes, he brought attention to her and said, look at her faith. Are we making the right distinctions as we engage with one another? Do we give value to people based on faith or on something else that can be seen about them? James chapter 2 gives us the specific example of making a distinction based on wealth. Money, riches, that ups the ante. The pun was intended. I hope you caught that. Now, we aren't just talking about difference, but value. When one values wealth, it's seen in how they interact with people. When the rich are valued more highly, they get special attention. The poor become an afterthought or even get in the way. And they're told to go stand over there. Basically, be out of my sight so I don't have to deal with you. So I don't have to interact with you. As I coach soccer, I find myself valuing the more athletic kids better. And not just as a better soccer player, but as a better person. It becomes easy to overlook the kids who may not be athletic, 
even if they're kind and helpful and have qualities that I actually think are more important, it can be easy to pay less attention to them and even get down on them because they don't have the quality that is most valued. In our society, and even in the church, wealth is the quality that is most valued. And we make distinctions based on this. James points out that wealth, when we have it as the highest value, it often leads to the exploitation of others. It leads to abusive thoughts. What can we get out of someone? Or insulting attitudes. Someone's not worth as much. And it even leads to talk that devalues God. Our way of life in society shows that we glorify money. I see the poorest of the poor, the homeless, constantly devalued without faith even being considered. When they're made in the image of God, just as someone with wealth is, We actually glorify wealth when the one to glorify is our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord of glory. If we show partiality to people of wealth, we treat wealth as more valuable than faith. The preferential treatment of those who have money is in direct contrast to the attitude of God. God chose the poor to be rich in faith. Faith is true wealth. So when we value faith instead of wealth, it'll affect our relationships with others. And so we need to pay attention to whether it's outward distinctions like wealth or whether it's faith in Jesus Christ that guides our interactions with others. When we start with Jesus Christ, we will seek to build relationships that communicate love so that others can see the glory of Jesus Christ. And, and while this morning we're not focusing, um, as we have been, out in the community on how we treat others we encounter outside the church, I want you to challenge, I want to challenge you to examine your existing relationships in the church and outside the church based on your faith in Jesus Christ. Pay attention to how you act. Do you find yourself seeing others with the eyes of Jesus Christ? Do you see them as a child of God that he loves? But more specifically, James is uh, focused in on how we interact with one another in the congregation. So what is it that guides that interaction? It's not distinctions based on how we look. We start with being connected to Jesus Christ. So we need to affirm in an active way our connection to others who believe in Jesus Christ. And we do this monthly in communion. We affirm this connection we have, not only with God, but how we're connected to one another into the body of Christ. We affirm not only that we're brothers and sisters, but that we are together 
representing Jesus Christ in the world. As James consistently communicates, our faith, our connection with Jesus is revealed in our actions. So we can't just say, well, I'm not exploiting anyone in the church, or I haven't told anyone who walked in the church to go sit over there or to sit on the floor. We need to consider it maybe a different way. Who is it that we're paying special attention to in the congregation? Who is it that we have gone to sit next to? Who is it that we have shared lunch with or invited to have lunch after church? Who is it that we may never have interacted with in the congregation? I think that when we're focused on our relationship in Jesus Christ, that our actions with any and every person in the church will communicate love and this desire for deeper relationship. So we need to do more than just ushering others to their seats, more than just shaking hands at greeting time. As brothers and sisters, because of faith in Jesus Christ, we mutually welcome one another into the life of the church without making distinctions. We develop relationships with one another, discovering more about each other's faith. So I challenge you not to just continue in your current relationships, but make a new relationship here at Neosville. Get to know a brother or sister that's different than you. And if you're scared, because some of us are, are, that's scary. We need to remember that we have in common the most important thing in this world, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you disagree politically, as stressful as that can be. It doesn't matter if your life experience is different. It doesn't matter if there seems to be little else in common. Because we're joined together in Jesus Christ. I remember traveling to Sudan, and I might have shared this before, but we went into a, a church, and there there was a dirt floor, not even any concrete. Um, I think there was one lamp, not lighting, um, no electricity. And a man, an elder, Brother Andrew, began praying for us. He who had so little, who is ignored by most people in the larger Christian church in the world, who lived in a country where it was dangerous to be a Christian. He prayed for us. He prayed for the church in America. And while he prayed in another language, it was clear that our relationship as brothers in Jesus Christ was at the center. So here's a way to develop a relationship with someone in a congregation based on faith. This isn't the only way, but I want to give you some way to get this faith into action. First, this is something we're all going to do together. We're going to share communion. 
we're going to affirm together how we're connected in Jesus Christ to our God and to one another. Second, and this is where it takes a little bit of risk-taking, we go and confidently find a brother or sister that we may have overlooked and just share how grateful that you are that you got to share in the life of Christ with them this morning. And that you're interested in knowing a little more about them. That's all. Not friends for life. Not huge long conversations. But just acknowledging that you shared something with them this morning. And saying you're interested in knowing a little more. And then the third thing. Take an action that shows that you have noticed them. Pray for that person by name this coming week. And when you see them again, encourage them by reminding them that you have prayed for them. So this is the challenge. This is the challenge that comes out of sharing communion. This is the challenge that comes from being brothers and sisters in Christ. Find a brother or sister in the sanctuary. Interact with them and pray for them by name this week. That's how we, as a congregation, will continue to reveal the true value of faith in Jesus Christ to each other and to the world. Let us pray. Jesus, take us where we are whether it seems that we're unsure about faith, that we're not sure where we stand, literally where we stand with others in the congregation, with others in our family, with others in the world. And take us, connect us more deeply with one another here in this congregation, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.